Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tatva Tuesday. This is Lindsay Warwick, uh, the conduit on Spotify and YouTube. Super excited. Took a little bit of a break, um, but happy to be back this week with my friend Lorraine. She is a relationship expert, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know what? You're confident in saying it, so I'm here for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I mean, we'll just get right into it. It's like been a couple of weeks for me. I like, feel like I'm new all over again. And I love that. Um, always a student and all, and all the things. Um, so Tatva Tuesday, Tatva is a Sanskrit word that means truth. So we'll talk about your, your truth here. And, uh, where I love to start is, you know, well, first I'll just talk about how I met Lorraine. Can I, can we talk about that? Yeah. Such a beautiful person. So I'm part of a goddess collective group on Facebook. And, uh, I had reached out to my dear friend, Leah Deluzio, who has created, she is the creator of that group. And uh, I was going through a lot of trauma from a previous relationship and Lorraine had offered without even knowing who the person was to hold a free uh, therapy session. And so uh, we, that's how we met um, on the beach at the state park. And um, I'm never going to forget that you offered that and you're so kind. And ever since we've become friends and now my dog loves you and, and I love your dog <laughs> and he loves, yeah, you guys love each other. It's a mutual love for sure. Um, so it's really good to see you and have you on the podcast and yeah. So thank you. Thank you for saying yes. Yeah, I'm so honored. I feel the I feel valued. Being invited to have this conversation with you really um, demonstrates value. And um, we've had such wonderful conversations. I know that when I was younger, I wish I could have been witness to conversations like you and I have. So I hope that people have an opportunity to be part of a conversation that they might not otherwise be exposed to. Yes, we've had some amazing conversations and just I feel like all of our those some of those really deep ones have happened on the beach. And uh, I'm really yeah, that's why I wanted to invite you on here, because you're just a wealth of knowledge and experience. And uh, yeah, so let's let's kind of get started with, um, well, your spiritual journey. Okay. Yeah. And kind of how you got into uh, therapy and relational expertise. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And actually, I want to start by saying too, when I um, offer, I knew that you were in crisis, and and I was drawn to meeting you for a consultation because I worried, you know, what you what resources you had access to, and I didn't know any details, but I had no idea where this was going to turn into a friendship, and and we let that professional relationship go almost immediately, <laughs> right? To, to yeah. uh, continue this friendship. So, um, in my spiritual journey and how I found my path um, or purpose 
to what I'm doing. It was almost like by accident, right? I, I, um, is when I was young, I always felt out of place. I always had this longing and uh, knowing that something was missing, like the, the um, being in the world didn't quite fit me. And I was told by my siblings that um, I was probably um, dropped off by aliens and that mommy and daddy felt sorry for me. And so they just took me in. But, and I knew that wasn't real, you know, I, but I felt like that, I don't, I never felt like I'm part of this world. And so um, when I heard this phrase, this made a lot of sense to me that I'm a spiritual being having a human experience that really cued me in. So I think I've always been on a search for spirituality because I always had the sense that there is something missing or something not right or something not fitting in this world. Um, and I was I don't know if I would say I was raised Catholic, but I was exposed to the Catholic church early on, not that I went to church often. And I do, and I have from a very early age, it's been easy for me to separate out history and tradition and spirituality. I know I was never confused and or angry about God because of church. And I knew that some of the priests and nuns that I met were grumpy people, but I never confused that for spirituality or God. Right. <laughs> I was always able to see that as separate. And I honor the history and the tradition and the rituals in um, Catholicism and Christianity. And, and now I'm exposed to so many other religions and their rituals. But it all has to do with our imagine in my mind, the way that I've come to understand it is that it has something to do with our imagination and how we make meaning of things. So it doesn't matter what our organized religion is, if it makes if it if it makes sense to us and that we draw meaning from it and it offers a it lives in connection, right? So that connection has always been part of how I see spirituality. And maybe that early, those early years of not feeling like I fit anywhere um, was that disconnect, knowing that I felt disconnected from so many things um, and seeking a connection and things. So through my story, I have um, had used large amounts of alcohol and drugs to ease that disconnect before I found spirituality. And from that pain and trouble, it brought me to a place of really needing connection. And um, I, I, you know, I feel like I'm getting lost in this story, like, because it's so complex. There's so many threads, like where, you know, <laughs> there's so many different things that I could say, and then it's all woven together. Um, I also, I'm a mom and I have a son who has a challenge that, you know, really sent me into a, um, a place of seeking also because it wasn't what I hoped and dreamed. And so I had to find a, um, uh, a way to be okay in the powerlessness of what it's like to be in that situation. And so I would say like, right, any of us, the troubles in my life brought me deeper to spirituality. Mm -hmm. My understanding of a higher power or a God is really very abstract and broad. I borrow from several different organized religions and kind of have created my own <laughs> in, uh, 
spirit of the universe, but always nature. Nature is the easiest way for me to feel a sense of something that is outside of myself. So whatever that, that being or that source is, it is anything that brings me some sense of a stability in a unpredictable world that is not myself, right? It's outside of myself. Mm-hmm. So, and I have so much more to say, but I feel like I better pause because I could just keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I find that through, through, I've been doing this podcast for a year, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been breaks in life happens and I take a break or it just doesn't work out with the guest and that I had scheduled and it's okay. I just, I'm like, okay, this is just how it's supposed to be. But I see a lot of uh, commonality in the podcast of, well, I was seeking something outside of myself or I was going through a hard time and boom, that's that harder time is, you know, where we take, we, we make the effort to go in like right. we think it's with that, we think it's out, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's like we're we're reading and doing all these things and learning the different religions and and everything, and then we find out that it's all really inside. And mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful. Like that was my whole like vision for the podcast is to show that that Lorraine, you know, you come from somewhere completely different than I think my last guest was John, you know, like Mm -hmm. y'all are very different, but we're all the same in, in, in certain aspects. So, um, thank you for, for sharing that part of your story and don't feel like you're talking too much. Like this is your time and I'll get in, you know, where I I need to. So you'll stop stop me when it's time. But I'm glad to hear you reflect on that. Like no matter who you talk to from wherever they are, that it's this journey of what I would call the hotter, the fire, the purer, the gold, right? Oh yeah. Fire. And then this brilliance come out on the other side. I call it the alchemy. Like I wrote an article a couple of years ago called uh, pain is the alchemy of the human spirit. And it's like, yeah. Like pain is like that catalytic moment where it's like, well, I can drink more alcohol or I can smoke more weed or do more drugs and I can go in, I can, I can try to push off the pain, but really when I'm, I think I'm pushing it off, I'm, I'm just bringing it more in Mm -hmm. or it's, I use that pain as that moment of turning that pain into something more beautiful, like alchemizing the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think that when I'm hearing you talk about that universal story and that universal connection, it makes me think about relationships and love and <laughs> desire and, <laughs> and humans throughout all cultures throughout the world all want to be wanted, right? We all want to be wanted. We all want to be desired. And whether that's a romantic emotional intimacy or romantic intimacy or sex in, intimacy, um, it, that's another area where I see no matter who you talk to, where they come from, everyone wants to be wanted. Mm-hmm. And I had a mentor who would teach me and this is, and I also, so I found through this path, I've also found that here I am as a, you know, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm licensed in two different States. And, um, I've had amazing mentors through that 
work, but it really is about who I am too, right? It's all come, our mood and our self-concept is based in the relationships that we are in, the relationships that we vision ourselves in in the future or hope to be in, the relationships we grew up in, even the relationships of the generations before us that we don't even, are not even aware of. Relationships with the universe, the, um, the trees, the, the ground, relationship with food right so it's all about relationships and that is how I think and believe way before I got a license as a marriage and family therapist that's but great yeah, of course that's the work I do because that is how I um I think anyway yeah yeah I think yeah. it's amazing and I mean yeah like tell us how did you obviously that's the way that you think so that's a given but like how did you like get into and then you say you're a relationship expert so yeah. like what qualifies you as a relationship expert and I'm so glad you're on the podcast because we've dabbled on the podcast with different questions and and people will you know about relationships because life is about how are we relating to everything right. and uh, a couple of people have said well I'm no relationship expert but but you are so yeah. So, and I'll tell you how I came to own that expertise. Yes, tell me. So, yeah, I, when I was young, I read Thomas Merton's No Man is an Island. And that was like the seed of like, yes, we are not alone. And through, my, and actually probably going back to school and getting my degree as a, um, as a license, as a marriage and family therapist was not about wanting to be a marriage and family therapist. That was about, wanting to do something else and just wanting to be academic and I like studying and this is a topic I like studying so I never had this vision and goal of where I was going but while I was a student and I really enjoy studying and why not enjoy studying you a topic that you love so mm -hmm. uh, I mean if you're reading on your free time Thomas Merton No Man is an Island I'm gonna write may, it down <laughs> you may as well get a degree because that's not light reading <laughs> No Man is an Island no man is an island, and he's got great um, other a bunch of great readings. The um, it's and and the, every in that's the kind of book like every sentence and every paragraph takes a while to digest because it's oh it's so one of those on. yeah <laughs> okay so um, so I started studying just for the sake of studying and just to be academic. In my program, I met mentors who just took me under their wing and encouraged me more. And I finished my degree, uh, did some postgraduate work, and I was always invited. So I was invited to the internship that I went into. I was invited into postgraduate programs, uh, postgraduate training. I was invited to, into a fellowship. I was invited to a writing fellowship. I was invited to teach as an adjunct professor. And I always just said, yes. Yeah. So that's how I started my career was just by those invitations. My, um, I left my first job um, before licensed. Uh, I left really, it's hard to work in a clinic, right? Early career, I needed the um, experience to mm -hmm. get my license in a clinic, but it's hard to work in a clinic. There's a lot of restraints. And um, meeting the needs of individuals is really hard under that system. And so I left and went into private practice and um, 
then opened up another practice in another state because people were who knew I was a family therapist said, where do you practice? We need to see you here. We, I'm people I want to refer. So I opened up an office and people started showing up. I had a supervision group where one of my mentors would say frequently, you need to own your expertise. And really, when you know, when you're new and are starting out, it's hard to find that confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had that encouragement and it was a piece of work for that area of super. And I've had great supervision too. I always say that too. Like, I know that I'm really good at what I do and I take a lot of time and energy to take care of myself so that I'm available and so that I can hear my intuition and, and use the gifts that I have in the work that I do. But the other part is that I'm nerdy and I studied hard and I read a lot of books. Yeah. And I have a lot of wonderful, wonderful mentors who taught me. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I don't, um, I owe them a lot of gratitude, but I had people before me who really led me down this road. So when, and and I and that I've been invited to teach family therapy at you know a variety of places and speak and so something I say, uh, something I have to say must be valuable, but it wasn't until this Lindsay where I really felt like I understood that I was an expert. So you know that I I practiced in um, in Manhattan and in Westchester, New York, and um, and I have a small practice in rural Vermont. Mm-hmm where there's a different community and a different population. Yeah. And it was an old New England farmer, right? That, that just different kind of personality who um, in different identity and social location, who after having met me in therapy because of a crisis that the whole family was in, um, called me some uh, months later to say, I, th- I think that after meeting you and I have chest pains, my doctor said it's stress and I need therapy. I want to come see you. And Lindsay, I don't know if you, if you're hearing like by the, um, the magnitude of that kind of new England gener- older generation accepting therapy might be a good idea for him because he met me. That's when I'm like, I'm an expert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was a big, that was a significant change. But since then, it really has been, it's not that I call myself an expert. And yes, I'm licensed in two different states as a marriage and family therapist. So there's some level of expertise there. It is the, um, the work that I've done and the clients that I've worked with who have given me that title, right? That, that kind of like, I have that title because it is, um, it is what's been given to me by those people who have experienced work with me if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I think it's amazing. And um, yeah, definitely. Um, You, excuse me, you have that natural ability and you have your natural gifts. And then of course you put the work in as well. I think that that's a huge, you know, component to being successful. I think, you know, I, I was actually just talking about this with one of my coworkers today. He was asking me about yoga and how long I've been doing it. And I was like, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time and I still do continuing education. Like I'm, I still do trainings when I can, because, you know, got to keep, got to keep on top of our game, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so let's, where, what do you want to discuss? <laughs> yeah. Like, I know we always have these fabulous conversations about marriage and relationships and 
So let's go to that. And like you talked about continuing education being so important. One of the things that I'm, and maybe it's just because it's uh, it's what I'm looking at, but um, sex relationships and relationships, right? If we are in um, a culture where um, committed long-term monogamous relationships are the expectation, however, the statistical um, outcome of infidelity and divorce is so high, it's time to start rethinking. And I, and certainly marriage and family therapy is an industry that is starting to research and rethink what's wrong with that story. How can we change it and expand the theme and the perspective around that? And we're also in a time too, in terms of relationship, marriage relationships, that there is um, so much more expectation of what we get out of that relationship. And, and I'm looking at it. My industry is talking about it. But I don't, I don't hear uh, many people outside of that having these conversations, right? So what is a traditional relationship? And we're still expecting it, although it's the, it's the most um, uncommon uh, outcome of a marriage. And we're at a time that we're expecting emotional satisfaction and pleasure, sexual pleasure, right? And financial partnership from one person from one person right historically marriage has been really about sharing household expenses yeah sharing duties a lot of other things we historically would get our emotional um comfort and nurturing from other female friends from family not from a husband that's a very new dynamic generationally speaking and then this transformation towards in our sexuality towards also not from being a dutiful wife in the bedroom to having a empowerment and expecting um sexual satisfaction in the bedroom this is all really pretty relatively new Hmm. yeah i actually this is getting me thinking so i don't know if you Maybe you didn't, but Jessica Dervage was on my podcast like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, she really opened up the conversation about marriage and you know what is no- the norm, societal norm versus mm-hmm. what's going on. And she did speak pretty openly about her own uh, situation and you know the idea of. opening up more, you know, as, as they go along on their path together. Um, so, you know, me, I'm 34 and I'm not married. I have not been married. Uh, it was close to being engaged. Uh, but I just knew, I just didn't feel like that was my person. He was a great man, but he was not my person, Mm -hmm. which also makes me wonder what you said. Like, are we supposed to have one person that fulfills all checks, all the boxes. Right. And, um, I mean, growing up, like the whole idea, well, my parents got divorced when I was seven. So it's like, you know, the whole idea of that. I didn't, I didn't grow up with that. I grew Mm -hmm. up with a separate house, you know? Um, God, there was so much that you said, my brain just started going off, but yeah, I was okay. So I was watching the house of dragons, like the game of Thrones thing. Okay. 
Yeah. It's medieval times basically, but the marriage is literally an arrangement. It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well your house has this and my house has this. And even like the woman in the show last night, she was the queen was like having sex with the King. And she looked like she would rather die than like have sex with this man. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that was part of her duty as a wife was to, you know, join the houses and bear heirs. You know, it was like, didn't really matter, like if she was getting pleasure or not. And it was like, in the one scene, she's laying down and she's about to go to sleep. And some woman comes in and is like, oh, the king is calling for you. And she's like, right now. And then she had to go and like sleep with him. You know, it's so interesting that you that you brought that up, because that's exactly what came to my mind last night when I was watching it. I was like, "Ooh, that doesn't look fun. Like, that sucks. Yeah. And Um, when I think nobody's talking about I forget sometimes like you are you're a younger generation than I so maybe right hopefully like you're growing up with a different narrative than I grew up with and and that the, but it will take some time for the system to catch up with all of that mm-hmm. you know and but the I think of that too there are couples if they're trying to conceive a baby they're still struggling with this like what is the sex relationship it still has the sur purpose of procreation and if you're trying and having trouble having a baby what does that do to um intimacy at a sexual level the other the other um interesting dichotomy as we are merging all of these expectations in relationships are that we want adventure and interesting and some je ne sais quoi still in our relationships but at the same time we want stability and predictability and all of this evenness that comes along with it and they are um there it's i many couples have a hard time managing that duality right we pursue in dating we are pursuing this commitment stability traditionally and then when we get it all of the sexual, much of the sexual desire fades away, right? And then we- Why does that happen? happen? Huh? Why does that happen? Because the, it's the the desire is about something that you want that you haven't gotten yet, right? But we also want some predictability in relationships. And so once we get the predictability, stability, that commitment, we don't want that anymore. We already have it. Hmm. And so it needs to be created and it takes a little, and it can be done, right? But it just, it's not, those are not conversations that people are having. Usually while they're dating, they're not talking about what will it look like when, right? Or your, or are your, or even are your, I know a lot of people are talking about love languages, right? And then there yeah. are, right? There are, there's a sixth love language, which is freedom. And what is it? Freedom and um, flexibility, I think. Nobody's talking about that one. And mm-hmm. the, um, I think it's a scratch of the That circle. might be mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I will say- The too, bonus love language is mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that those kinds of popular concepts are really great, great place to start conversations. But you and I know we're more fluid than that's our category. Yeah, <laughs> we might I have mean... some of this and some of that. And then as the stars change, we might flow into another area. Yeah. Right. So 
when we, I was at dinner the other night with a bunch of women and uh, they were talking about like early stages of dating and Mm -hmm. the questions (laughs) I'm laughing because the questions that they wish they asked, like the men that they're seeing or they're married to or dating long-term, like, are you a narcissist? Are you a misogynist? (laughs) How did you grow up? Like, what do you see for yourself? Like, what are you, what do you believe are gender roles? Like they were going in and in and I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, I I wish I was part of that conversation. Lindsay, I would have said, you need to be asking what's your erotic blueprint. What is that? (laughs) I was going to ask you, what are the questions that, what are the questions that should be asked in the beginning? Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm often talking with couples after they're in trouble, right? And then they're, they found me because things, so we start with conversations that they might've been useful if they had had them earlier. Like mm-hmm. what would it be? And even if, even if it is um, not, an, not um, it doesn't suit, even if it does not suit a couple, couples are avoiding the conversation. So when I invite the conversation, it doesn't mean that they ought to, or that that's something that they, they need to be exploring, but, and we need to be talking about it at least. Right. So what would it mean um, to have more than one sexual partner in the relationship Um, simultaneously or um, synchronously, uh, asynchronous or synchronous and um, how would that feel for both partners? Now, again, it's not that that's suggesting that that's needed, but certainly a conversation about it is useful. Um, In the beginning? What would you wait for? What are you waiting for, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the, oh. Or the other one is infidelity. What is infidelity? You know, the um, age of technology has brought in all new layers of infidelity that people didn't know. I mean, really, I've I've, um, worked with people and this happens in couples therapy that um, one partner is talking online pretty explicitly or even video chatting with um, uh, sexual entertainment. And um, the partner finds that as as a betrayal. And the partner's like, oh, had I known, I wouldn't have done that. But they never talked about how they define infidelity, right? Mm-hmm. And, right? And what is the definition of that? So I don't know. What are So if the ladies at the table the other night were talking about what were the questions, what do you think they would have said about what is infidelity? How do you define infidelity? I don't know. I wish I would have asked that question. But um, I, uh, yeah, they also were, they were saying, you know, in the beginning, they wish that they had asked um, their partner, husband, partner, um, to like, would you ever take a conscious relationship course? Like, would Mm -hmm. you, do you care about that kind of a thing? And yeah, they were saying all kinds of shit. I was like, oh my God, no wonder I'm not married yet. Or I don't know. I just don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, just going through, through my own journey, you know, learning and growing and yeah, I don't know. Right. What and yeah, I'm curious. What is the erotic blueprint? What is that? It's it's kind of like the love languages, but for the bedroom, right? Okay. And so are you? Um, and I don't know them all, and and I wish I could reference the woman who came up with them, but I will have to search that out. Um, uh, kinky, sensual, sexual, 
I and there there's five of them. Um, which ones did I say already? I forget. Kinky, erotic, sensual. Yeah. So is it about touch? Oh, sensory, right? So if you're if you're blue, if you are um, somebody who is into um, kink, if you're turned on by kinky bedroom behaviors, and um, that includes. Um, um, binding, then if your erotic blueprint has to do with touch, that's not going to work for you, right? That's going to be a conflict. If you're, if you're bound and not able to feel your partner in the way it's right. So it's, Oh yeah. So it's like, how do you, how it's like basically like your sexual chemistry, like broken out into categories. Right. Right. Now yeah. there's a book. I'm sure there's a book. Yep. What I'm is sure the book? Yeah. 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 And so it is. Wait, that, what's the book? Oh, I don't it, probably erotic blueprints. <laughs> right. But it, it removes this um, idea that there is a judgment to, hey, if you don't want to try something adventurous in the bedroom, that there's something wrong with you. It just might be that your erotic blueprint. So couples can start to have a different conversation with each other about sex. There's a lot of um, guilt and shame around sex. And so those are hard conversations for couples to have. People come to couples therapy and I ask yeah. them about sex and they don't want to talk about it. I'm like this is couples therapy. We're going to talk about sex and we're going to talk about money. Yeah, literally. And there can yeah. love and money are, are connected energetically. Um, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I've been on the shamanic rose priestess path for mm-hmm. a while now. And a lot of it is about empowering sexuality, sacred sexuality. Um, and I, uh, you know, had a conversation with my, sh- my shaman, like recently, just about like, you know, eroticism and you know like how important it is and and all this and I really do feel like it's it's going to be a major component in my future to help with tantra with women and couples and and all of that uh I just have always kind of known I've just I've just known things like since you know, from past lives or whatever. So it's definitely, I'm glad that we're having this conversation. I've had, you know, some women reach out to me too. You know, I guess they feel safe to reach out and talk to me about like sex and, you know, like masturbation and and whatever, like, how do I empower myself? How do I get rid of this shame and guilt around it? And I'm like, I will help you. You know what I mean? Like, I just want, I just want people to experience like, you know, life and pleasure the way that I feel like it's it's supposed to be experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I know that about you and I, that's a, and and I, maybe conversations are so interesting because I'm all about empowering couples to know that they're their own best experts. Oh yeah. and I'm, I'm able to coach them in having the conversation so that they can explore with each other what works, what makes sense, and what are their what the what are the obstacles that are getting in the way of even having those conversations. Some of the things that I I often ask or invite. I wonder if this is a dating question. <laughs> It'd be interesting to find out. But um. What are your first sexual messages? Meaning, when you in your upbringing, in your family of origin, or in your teen experiences, um, what were you taught about sex? 
what were the message implicit messages or explicit messages about sex Mm-hmm. You know, were you caught masturbating and somebody shamed you about that? Um, you know, did um, and what does it mean? The other piece is too: are you an initiator or you're not an initiator? Couples um, don't talk about that often. What they happens don't... if you get two people that don't initiate? Right. Well, no one's ever going to have sex. They come to couples counseling because they're not having sex <laughs> and they're very unhappy. Yeah, I just feel like sex is such a big, I mean, for me, it's just a big, big part of who I am and, and, and uh, having having a relationship that being said, I, I stopped engaging in casual, like sexual relations. Usually it's been with, you know, somebody that I'm interested in or whatever, you know, it's not been like, oh, I'm gonna just go and because oh, it's it's an energy of sex, sacred energy exchange too. So that's part of the Rose uh, Priestess path as well. So yeah, it's, that's so interesting. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. What happens if you get two people that don't initiate, then it's not right. happening. And then, we, and then we talk about like, why, why are you not initiate? Often not initiating is about fear of rejection. And, and then that gets tangled up into if you are approaching your partner and making overtures for sex and demonstrating desire, and they're really just not in the mood or, you know, have that, that headache. They may be not wanting to reject you, but it, it lands as a, as a rejection. It doesn't matter, you know, when we are, um, you know, so you dance in that very challenging nuance of what are the meanings? And if you're not having conversations about it, you're left with hurt feelings or right. triggering um, old stories of what, you, what happened in your last relationship or the messaging that you got growing up. And so it's getting people to talk about it, right? How much everyone is having sex, right? Sex is happening all over and people are doing it. Nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. So a- as a therapist, then let's say I've, there's so many topics I feel like we could talk about. I really want to revisit, you know, couples come to you when there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, is there like a patterning to like the timelines for people to come to therapy? Or do you think that mm-hmm people jump into things too quickly before they really know each other and then they're committed or I don't know. I just want to just tell me all the things. (laughs) So interesting. I don't know. And, and I think we're progressing towards um, understand when I learned life cycle stages, divorce was not a life cycle stage. When we teach life cycle stages now, divorce is one of the life cycle stages that we have an understanding that you will have more than one relationship in your lifetime, Mm -hmm. a long-term committed relationship. There'll be more than one. So we're, we're starting to embrace that that is becoming the new normal. Although, you know, I'm married for a long time and I, I believe this too. If you're married, if you're in a long-term committed relationship, um, and by the way, that doesn't exclude ethical non-monogamy. When I say a long-term committed relationship, there's a lot of varieties to that, right? You know, Mm -hmm. when I use that language, there's a lot of room for that. Um, where was I though? The, um, long, uh, within that same person, you'll have a lot of different relationships. I was just talking to Nancy Weiss about this over the weekend that I've been married to my husband for 30, I think it's 31 or <laughs> somewhere between 31 and 33 years. 
<laughs> he, he'll know better than I do. But I, <laughs> I feel like we've had different relationships. Like I wasn't the same person. He's not been the same person. It's been good. It's been bad. But we have certainly had different relationships throughout all of the years. If it was the same, it would be over. <laughs> I saw the most beautiful thing. Um, I can't, I don't know what, where the quote came from, but it was like to be in a long-term relationship is to attend a thousand funerals of your partner, of the people that they used to be. Yeah. And then, you know, like continue, yeah. continue on with them. And that's what I guess I have to say, like a long, long, long relationship intimidates me in that way because I know how I have a lot of Scorpio scorpionic aspects in my birth chart. I'm very transformative, like very transformative. And I'm, you know, it's like, how do you, you know, trust somebody, I guess, to continue on that journey with you. And then how do you know that they're going to love all aspects of you? Right. And so for you, that freedom and flexibility. Yeah, that's definitely, one of, that's definitely one of my love languages. Like you, you, you do be, you and I'll do me like. <laughs> yeah. So you wanted to find that out during the dating phase or you just accept right away. Like that, there's that new conscious um, uncoupling or, or the, the um, relationships are complete. It doesn't, it does no longer has to be, and I think we're changing this narrative. No longer does this has to be this disastrous divorce. Oh yeah, no. Story, it's relationships end. They can complete in a healthy way. And I do some of that work too. A couple of, some couples will come to me so that they can part. They know they're ready to part and they just want to do it well. In a healthy way. <laughs> right, yep. And so I think we are starting to learn that we're going to have more than relate more than one relationship in our life. It's okay that they're with different people. And if they're with the same person, it's still going to be more than one relationship. Mm-hmm. You asked me something else about timing, right? So is there a timing? I will say during pandemic. when Yeah. Are there started- rules? Are there dating rules? The, you're the relationship expert. What are the ah. dating rules? <laughs> 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 so I don't know. Expert doesn't mean that I make up the rules or that I know the rules. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I always tell people, like I read a lot of books, but you're the best expert on you. Oh yeah. I'm, I, I have a lot of, and maybe that's where my expertise lies in that I know what I don't know. I love that. Yeah. And that. People but elaborate, elaborate. Yeah. So I, um, I know what I don't know. So I've read a lot of books and I have a lot of, however, I'll, and I love my work for that too, right? As much as I think I've got ever, you know, I see couples and there's this, this thing that I see often, there's always going to be a couple that I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? I've never seen this before. And it's new and exciting. And that's what I mean. Like I know when I haven't seen this before, I don't have the answer to this. But I trust people to know themselves well enough, even though they don't believe it yet, that I can encourage people to be empowered or find their power to trust their own expertise. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, the back to the timing question was like, you know, you see, you said, oh, well, couples will come to me when they have a problem. Is there a pattern or anything that you see, like a time frame? Right. So a couple of things. Um, the 
during the pandemic when people were home together, they Ooh. were like, hey, we, they were like, hey, two things. Some of them were like, hey, we've always wanted to go to therapy. We got nothing to do right now. We got all this time on our hands. Let's call a therapist. That was delightful, Lindsay. I love that work. Yeah, that was probably good because I, I, I'm a big therapy advocate. I went to therapy for a while and I remember her telling me that therapy is not for the crisis moments. Therapy is for all the normal life moments. Yeah. And yeah, it's not just like, oh God, I'm having a problem. I need to go to therapy. Therapy is like, yeah, it's how you can learn like just life skills and, mm-hmm. and everything. So I love that you said that there were couples that were like, yeah, fuck it. We'll just go. <laughs> yeah, we've always wanted to. Now it's yeah. a good time. We'll give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the other thing that I will say about, I don't know if there's a timing rule or a, like, you know, you hear that seven year itch. I don't know where that came from, but that's, you know, that's an old story. Um, but old stories have some meaning. I don't know what it is though. Um, (laughs) I don't know what it is either, (laughs) but the, um, but it is important, the timing, right? So when couple comes to me, I ask them a couple of, it's important to find out a couple of things. Why now? Like why? Because I know people don't come to therapy first. So I know they don't something now brought them. So that's important for me to understand because that timing is, um, is a clue to where to go and what's happening. And the other thing is, and what else have they tried? Cause I know people come to come try a lot of other things before they come to therapy. Mm-hmm. And so often, and maybe it's about this, right? That change in order to get to change, the pain has to be great. Then the no, the, the, the discomfort, here's what it is. The discomfort of how it exists, because change is uncomfortable for people, right? We know that yes. knows change is uncomfortable. Even good change is uncomfortable. So the, the discomfort of what is happening in the current circumstance has to be worse than the change. And who knows when that happens? It's different for you. It's different for me. It's different for everybody. So I, it's just, but it's that tipping point of the current circumstance is more uncomfortable than the pot and then the, um, potential need for change. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. Yeah. Pain is a great, is a great motivator. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's kind of goes back to where we started with the, are you going to alchemize your pain into something greater or are you going to just numb your pain Mm -hmm. or just go? Yeah. Just fuck up your life, I guess with pain, but um, Oh God, I thought of something to something else when you were speaking. Oh man. Oh, let can we talk a little bit about in the beginning of relationships? Do you feel like people kind of like, I call it their representative. Like I'm going to bring my representative. I'm not going to like bring my true aspects of self yet. I'm just going to bring my representative. I'm going to put on my mask. Okay. Yeah. Do you think a lot, cause you have been doing this work for a long, long time. Do you think all cup, all people do that? I hope, I hope all healthy people do that. Put on their representative. Right. Yeah. It's a persona, right? Yeah. It shows me that you have a filter, right? If you show up at, it's an interview, basically a date is an interview. And if totally. you show up, no filter, 90 day, 90 day trial period, right? If you show up <laughs> with no filter and return. <laughs> yeah. And if you show up with no filter, Lindsay, I'm worried. <laughs> so, but you bring up a really interesting point, right? That we, we, as adults, we, 
know when to have the persona of um, professionalism, when we have the persona with our silly friend group and um, the different masks that we put on. So in dating, where you're potential, potentially going to be the deepest spiritual, emotional, intimate relationship of your life, you show up with a mask on. <laughs> I know. And I have a hard time with, you know, with masks. I think it's because I can see energy and read energy. And so it's hard for me to kind of, I mean, I go, I play the game, but you know what I mean? Maybe not. I'm not sure I'm understanding. Say more about it. So I can see the masks Mm -hmm. and I, you know, have a hard time, you know, I just know that I know that it's a mask. Like it's, I'm very perceptive energetically. I'm very, very intuitive. I can see stuff right away. And uh, that's, that's who I am. And it's, you know, but I still will abide by the, the filters. Okay. That's interesting. And so, and I, I know that about, so it does make sense. Cause I, I, I think I know that about you already that you have that, that site, that it's vision. a great gift. It's a blessing and a curse because right. it's like, yeah. I know things right away. And it's right. like, it's a, it's going to be a yes for me, or it's a no for me right away. It's not mm-hmm. like, I don't feel full, like not that people are coming with their masks too full. I think they're coming with the masks as a, a protection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how they know how to be. Um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I yeah. Think. And, and for me, probably I am, I see a little bit more, I'm, I would call myself a behaviorist or I'm a behaviorist by nature and behavior communicates meaning. So I'm able to know the truth before somebody tells it to me because yeah. I'm reading their behavior. And yeah. I, I believe behavior. And yeah. I'm, and it took me a long time. I don't know if you knew this, Lindsay, right? So I always thought everyone could see that and knew that. I don't. Know I thought you- everyone could see it and know it too, but <laughs> I thought people could see and feel the way I see and feel, but I know right. that is not true. Yeah, same here. I thought everyone knew the truth like I did. So it took me a long time to learn. Not everyone can see that. So do you, so when you're dating and do you tell people that you can, or do you invite them? So like, hey, I notice this. So um, curiosity and curiosity is always a great lead in relationships. Observation and curiosity, great tools. So I've observed that you behave this way. Mm. I'm curious about what that means and invite people to say about it. So I don't know for you, would it be, I noticed, I don't know, how do you, do you tell people, I notice your aura is really dark. Um, Can you tell me what that's about? <laughs> um, I feel that, you know, I, I kind of try to let people know who I am. Like, you know, I do yoga. I'm an intuitive. I do Reiki. I do readings. I can see things. Like I kind of give them a little, um, I observe, I allow, I, and that's been a, something I've been working on is just 
allowing people to just be who they are and observing them and, um, you know, allowing for a trust to build and a deeper connection to build. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm not one to like sweep under the rug, anything. If there's something that is a little off, right. I will, I will probably say it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I like to be very transparent and, uh, I've also worked on the balance of the transparency. It's like, you don't need to really say all of that, you right. know? So it's, yeah, it's definitely the relationship with myself has been the most important thing to me, especially over the last year, you know, since I've known you and right. um, yeah, working on those, those aspects of self, because I am a very, you know, strong presence. (laughs) So yeah, I'm, you know, you know what more, I I think that, you know, you have a unique obstacle in that you might see more clearly than some, but many people I speak to about dating are navigating this balance of accepting um, human error Mm -hmm. and running away from red flags, right? So how much do you forgive people for a human error? And then how much do you say, wait a minute, this is, these are messages that I shouldn't go any further in this. And I think I'm hearing many people in dating having trouble navigating the right balance of that. Yes. I've actually asked this question on the podcast before as well. And it's like, yeah. Finding the balance of, of that. And then it's like, are there uni- red flags aren't necessarily universal mm-hmm. because what's a red flag to me might not be a red flag to you. And so really, I think relationships are a container as a, for our spirit. I love what you said, spiritual being, having a human experience when you are in a container, whatever that relationship looks like you're able to, um, identify what works and what doesn't for you and, um, use it as sort of an exploratory space. And yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's like, yeah, finding the balance of human error. Yeah. What is human error? And then what is, okay, well, that's just a red flag. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. How do you and, it, and it's not an answer for one person, right? Yeah. If you continued, like you said, relationship. If you have a solid relationship with yourself and you're talking with other good friends, right? Your, your yeah. um, spiritual community or good female friend or good friends um, to bounce things off and always self-reflecting and journaling, then you're going to discover that on your own and you're going to find that answer on your oh, own. Oh, I know where I was going with that. It's uh using that space too is you are the one with the yeah, just like you said, like before, like you are your biggest expert. It's like, well, what what feels good for me? Like what does my heart say? What does my gut say? Like what's going on with me? Because the way I handle situation is not going to be the way that you handle situation. And you're not the one in the relationship. I'm the one in the relationship. And so I have to be okay with 
with whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. And those, so the people who I have brought to find their own expertise and trust their own expertise are the ones who call me an expert. And they still will sometimes come to me and think, Lorraine is going to tell me like her expert opinion about this particular thing that I'm going to do. And then we have a good laugh because they know I'm not really going to tell them. (laughs) They're going to help them trust their own expertise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that there's like, I know I'm jumping all over, but whatever, I feel like it's, it's going to flow and sound great no matter what we do. Um, Can we revisit like sex, I guess, um, (laughs) let's talk about sex. Um, so in a relationship, like this whole idea, okay, this is where I wanted to go with it is like, people have all different kinds of ideas of when you should have sex with the person that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there a rule about the timing of that? Yeah. It depends, I suppose. Um, are you thinking about disease or, you know? Like, well, you I mean, really obviously like, there's that, but yeah, um, I don't know. Some people are like, well, we had sex right away and we're together forever. Or yeah. I waited, I waited a certain amount of time and that's how it worked. Is there. So um, the um, sex is about pleasure and connection, right? Yeah. So if you're interested in pleasure and connection um, and that it's going to show up that way in the relationship for both parties, sure, the timing is fine. The other, but I think you can speak to the benefit and the, the variety of ways to achieve that and the benefit of abstinence too, right? If you're just, if you're choosing not to, and we don't, um, I hope I, I think we're at a time where we're really embracing, especially women, having adventurous sexual um, experiences uh, with a variety of partners, if that's what they choose to do, um, or abstaining from uh, casual sexual relationships, if that's what they choose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's a, you know your know yourself best and decide and what you choose to and how anybody because I'm speaking a little more about women I tend to do that um anybody who chooses right because men can be considered promiscuous you know can be judged for being promiscuous I think that is starting to catch up right as much as women were historically judged for having more than one sexual partner I I am hearing more and more in couples that um men are also starting to feel a shame and a, um, and a judgment for having more than once, but I'm getting on a different subject. Um, it is really up to the individual, right? Decide for yourself first, then decide together with your partner and be flexible in the timing if that works for the both of you. Um, and what you decide now may di- be different what you decide in another relationship. Yeah, I think it all has to do with the energy between you and that person. And I'm like, I don't really think that there is a right or wrong. And I often feel like with dating and relationships, and I'm not an expert, I feel like there really aren't rules. Like, it's literally like you follow your intuition and your heart. And even if you make mistakes, it's how you learn. Mm -hmm. So it's it's all part of it. Right. Yeah, that there are no rules. Yeah, that it's just, 
you and that person creating that container, whatever that looks like, whatever that's going to be. And just kind of moving. Right. Yeah. In that way. So and that's, that's dating and the sex relationship, same thing that there are no rules except for those rules that are agreed upon. So if you're agreed upon for yourself, if you're making, if you are feeling, if you get value out of something for yourself, then continue operating that if something is depleting you and you choose no to lo- no longer participate in that, then don't do that. And the same thing for couples, there are no rules and how they decide to negotiate the relationship, except for, is it bringing them connection? And is it bringing them pleasure? Yeah. Right. And under that, it could be anything. I know. So we're like coming up on time, if you believe it or not. I can't believe that this conversation went so quickly. So fast. Like, like yeah. time doesn't exist. That's a whole yeah. other conversation. But yeah, um, and I feel like we're barely scratched the surface. There's so I know we barely we didn't even talk about like ethical non or what is it? Ethical non-monogamy. Yes, we didn't even get to talk about that. Right. We've talked about that clicker training idea too. And the the restaurant menu sex thing. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, we have to have another podcast. Right. Yeah. And you know, let me add this too, even though I know we're out of time. When you say what's the timing to sex, I'm thinking very loosely. Are you talking about, you know, penis vaginal um, intercourse or or is there some other definition to sex that the timing would be sooner or later? Right. So there's so much like it's like there's no rules, really. Yeah. Also, your cat is like behind you. It's so uh, funny. Yeah. Well, um, how, so thank you, Lorraine, for being here. My God, we were all over the place and it was, it was so such fun. A, I feel so high energy. Uh, I'd love to have you back. So we'll have to schedule that. Okay. Um, but how can people contact you? So anyone could Google my name, Lorraine Chestant and find me. Okay, cool. Yeah. Or if they, they can call you if they want to talk to me. They yeah, can call you, you just call me. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you to the listeners or the viewers, however you're consuming this information. Um, I want to just throw this out there to anyone who's listening or watching that if there's anything that you want us to kind of expand upon, I feel like I'm ready to open up the podcast to like, um, tell me what you want to talk, tell me what you want to hear. And if there's somebody that you'd want to hear, I think I'm ready to open that up. If Mm -hmm. that feels right. So y'all let me know out there, but, uh, thank you all so much for listening or watching. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. Thanks Lorraine. Thank you.